Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rodoichin. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books, to art, to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. Today I'm talking to the celebrity stylist, Adi Samuel. Raised in the Bronx as the daughter of Nigerian immigrants, she got her start assisting fashion editors at Teen Vogue and W Magazine before training with stylists Cher Coulter and Simone Harouche. Since branching out on her own, she's worked behind the scenes on Beyonce's formation video, styled the Black Panther cast and worked with the actor Michael B. Jordan famously putting him in a floral harness over his suit at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. We sat down together during the Freeze Art Fair in Los Angeles to discuss her career and some of the things that inspire her. So, Ade Samuel. Ade Samuel, yes. Welcome to the show. Hi. It's so great to have you here. So lovely Um, to be here. I'm really excited because, Warren, you don't know this, but um, we've got a buggy here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're here. Was, at, <laughs> I love that you said a buggy. I'm like, what is that? What do you call oh, okay. it? Trolley. We oh, call it a trolley. trolley. Oh, right. No wonder they didn't know what I was talking about. Or, no, um, or we call it a, what else do they call it? A, go, a cart. We're just like, hey, can we cart. get the cart? That's like, right. Because I said buggy and they're like, what? But, but I love basically, that. So we're here at Freeze LA, Freeze Los Angeles, in Los Angeles, on the in the in Paramount Studios. And there are these trolleys, yeah. which I call, we call buggies, <laughs> to drive around. And all week, I've been dying to get one because it's actually really big it's, here and it takes ages to get anywhere. It was a far walk. So I already pre-med it. I was like, let me wear my slippers yeah. because no heels. as much as... It's beautiful. And what was the other thing you did with matches this week? So I hosted an intimate shopping experience um, with you guys, and which was amazing. It was such an what a, is an lovely... intimate shopping so experience? It was intimate because <laughs> we got a DJ. You know, we had the rosé pop in, and then it was just just bringing some of my friends and influencers within the industry to kind of shop and see what matches has to offer especially being a uk retailer you know it was really important for me to like expose the yeah. brand to other people ah, yeah that's so cool yeah and it went well it was so successful it was so fun what they were like brands? how is she having so much fun and <laughs> i had just gotten off a flight because i was in london within seven days i went to london and then i went to new york and then i came back in between those seven days to la twice so <laughs> I was actually like sleep. I was standing and having fun, but I was also sleeping in sleeping my mind. So it was such a crazy. What were you doing experience. in London? BAFTA. So I work with Letitia Wright. So we fitted her for the BAFTA awards, which she ended up winning the Rising Star Award. So it was such a lovely experience. We dressed as Stella McCartney, and you know I went out there and I got to meet Stella, um, which is always fun when you get to meet the designers up close and personal and have that FaceTime. Yeah. Wow. So that must, did you go out afterwards with Letitia? No. Really? <laughs> I went right to bed. I actually left. So I was in London oh. for two days just to fit her. And then I left to oh. LA. And then I went to New York for the coach show for New York Fashion Week. Okay. So I was there for a day. And then I came back here okay. to do a fitting. You're just too busy. to. You could have sampled the fun London nightlife. But I know. Didn't I didn't even get to. I didn't. And I've time. been. I've, I've, I've had a lot of fun. You know, the box has shown me some oh, right. of my time. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Been around. <laughs> you know, you know what it's like. Um, so 
this podcast um, has a special format. And as you know, this is Five Carlos Place at Freeze, and normally we record at Five Carlos Place in London, uh, where there's a magical cabinet in the attic. Um, and in each episode of the podcast, we ask the interviewee to choose five things to put into that cabinet that best represent them in some way. Mm, yeah. I was wondering, what was the first thing that you would put into your cabinet? First thing I know, I was thinking about what are my five things? It's always hard to pick favorites in general. Like, I don't have a favorite color. I don't have anything favorite. Um, so, but I will say that I'm so inspired by certain books. And Oprah Winfrey is a huge inspiration to me and role model. Um, she has this book called One Thing I Know For Sure. Um, it's a really small book, travel size, um, easy to read, takes a few hours. And it just really highlights life successes, you know, things that she's learned through her trials and tribulations and being able to read her story, but in a format that allows you to be inspired and affirmed was really is something that I like to share with everyone. So that's something that I definitely would put in the cabinet to inspire and uplift people. Have you met Oprah? I've been around Oprah. <laughs> so I'm always <laughs> in so her like... <laughs> in, her, in her aura. Yeah, I've been around her aura multiple times. I'm not that forward where, I'm, where I would go up to someone I don't know, but I've been around certain environments, um, intimate environments where, you know, I've seen her, I've said hello, and I've definitely shared my love for her. <laughs> um, but I haven't intimately been formally introduced. Wouldn't you like to style her? I would... It would be a dream to start Oprah with me. What would you put her in? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> what do you What do you see her in? I see uh, Oprah. I see Oprah in chic clothing. I loved what she wore to the royal wedding with Stella McCartney. That to me was so beautiful and so her. I love you know. I love when she's in gowns like Alexander McQueen. It would be beautiful on her. Um, I think things that really accentuate her body, you know, um, it's always so beautiful when she gives you those curves and she shows you how a real woman look. So I would style her in those kind of formats. Now, so let's go back. You grew up in the Bronx. Yeah, born born and raised in the Bronx. Um, a New York kid. I was there for all my life. And then I moved to LA six years ago. Um, what did your parents do? So my father is, they're both like social workers, you know, my mom is a social worker and then my father's a social worker, but then he also has jobs with the fire department as well. So it's like immigrant parents who just have hustled and done multiple things. They also own, he also owns a tax company and then he owns a security. Nigerian. Nigerian descent. Yeah. Yeah, Both of my family, both of my parents are from Nigeria. I was born here, hence my name, um, which is Ade Tukumbo, which means honor overseas, first child born in America. Um, I'm the second oldest and my sister was born in Nigeria. So, um, you know, they came here with to have with me pretty much um, to create this life, you know, in America. Yeah. And what was it like growing up in the Bronx? It was amazing. It was actually really good. And I and I always think about um, like, you know, everyone now is recognizing the Bronx because of people like Cardi B. And even though we knew J-Lo was from the Bronx, you still didn't really associate or even want to really understand it. But, you know, having people like Cardi B and other creatives that are so amazing come from um, the Bronx, I think people are what starting to recognize. What other qualities do you think that these pe- you and other Bronx pe- people pe- have? Hustle. We hustle hard. You know, I think being from the Bronx, you really have to understand the niche the niche of what it is that you need to find and do in order to really progress and grow you know and find a way to stay focused you know and i think people from the bronx who are successful have 
have found a way to stay focused and remain really um, in their own lane because you know as much as I'm saying it's amazing it is there are obviously qualities of growing up in you know the urban community um, where you know there were situations that weren't that weren't normal for the everyday people but for me I had to endure because that was home um, so I think you you know when you find a Bronx person you find someone who works hard someone who understands you know resiliency and someone who's really just fast and and under and fast to be honest <laughs> and hustlers what's the second thing you'd put into the cabinet i would put in something i can't live without is is clinical products i'm obsessed <laughs> with um beauty products and trying to find a way like i barely wear makeup ever um i always am trying to you know find a way to keep my face tight and <laughs> as nice as it can be naturally you know and um i fell in love and found this product is clinical about two years ago and it's been is clinical is clinical so clients when i used to work with rosie huntington with lee she used it um kelly Rowland used it janae Ayeko is the one who put me up on it as well and is it just that one product that everyone uses or is there a range it is a range of products so i've used the let's see if you can find it for me but i've used the brightening serum which helps to kind of even out tones the active serum is what i use every day with my moisturizer and then they have the active cleanser so like it was so funny because i went to rosie had invited me to one of her workshop where she gave uh so funny she gave like a gift bag and in it was the is clinical products <laughs> because it's her favorite and i was like yes free ice cream because they are kind of expensive um but that's something i always do. i want to give people things that i know like and i'm not even that person but when i find something that actually works i'm like okay you need to know whether it's a book whether it's a beauty product um so that's one that i would give to someone and we can't seem to figure out where that's it's a made good tip but... i'm just going straight to the pharmacy I've, oh my god i imagine you can't you... get this in you would love it. You need to go to a kind of upmarket. No, you shop. can get it on Amazon. You can get it on oh. Amazon. Um, but I always look at where I'm buying things from on Amazon. But yeah. um, in, ca it, in case yeah. it's been opened already, yeah, or something and, weird. Yeah, yeah, right. And some and some. Um, where are the facialists? You can estheticians will have them, okay. so you can ask them about it. I'm gonna go right there and get some <laughs> after this. I need it. I yes. need it after a week. No, you here. actually don't need it. But <laughs> I need actually, I can tell get. everyone to get it. <laughs> um, what was the thing that launched you into fashion? What launched me into fashion? I would say myself, you know. Um, what I, I had an interest in being in fashion since I was, I mean, so young. I think about when I was like in third grade, literally having a composition notebook and while everyone's like writing notes from or like learning ABCs and all these like, you know, young, like I don't even know what you were doing at that age, but whatever everyone else was doing, I was drawing um, dresses and really just inspired by reading magazines and always picking up magazines. Um, my parents, you know, being of Nigerian descent, we in our culture traditionally like when there's a wedding or certain parties or events you have to customize your look what we call um lace or um ashwabi so with that being said my grandma was a tailor and she would always help my mom with the you know fabrics that were brought in from nigeria to create silhouettes and different outfits for different events that we had so growing up there and seeing my grandma play with clothing and different laces and teaching me how to align patterns and and really just understand and textures you know definitely help um 
increase it definitely helped increase my interest but um i would say you know interning was something that really launched my career you know i interned at dvf Teen Vogue, W Magazine, um, and while I was interning at Teen Vogue during my last years of college, I was offered um, a position to be the fashion closet assistant. I first declined <laughs> um, because why did you my... decline? <laughs> I declined. Everyone's like, why did you decline? Yeah. I declined because I wanted to be a stylist. Like I knew in my heart that I wanted to be a stylist, and I didn't want to get. I never wanted to be pigeonholed. So in my life. And in work, I always did th different things. And I knew that being a stylist was something that was in my heart. So I declined it because I was afraid of being pigeonholed. But after talking to, you know, James Worthington Demolay, who was a stylist at the, who is a stylist, who's a stylist, who at the time was someone who I was working closely with on the weekends after my internship, was like, you need to go to Team Vogue. Are you crazy? <laughs> you better not decline that position. Um, as a stylist, it would help you learn different showrooms and designers. So I went back. Luckily, they really wanted me, so they took me. I was there for two and a half years, and then I expanded to work with CR Fashion Book um, under Shiona Tarini and 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 um, under Shiona Tarini and Kareen Royfield, and and then the next was history. I was like, you know what? I love it, but I want to move to LA, and I really want to figure out how to do that. So during my transition, you, why did you want to? move to LA and do the whole Hollywood styling thing as opposed to yeah. magazine editorial. styling or editorial yeah yeah I would say it was um so it's funny when I was in the magazine after two and a half years I realized I want to be a stylist right I was working with different stylists that were editor you know editors of the magazines and would come and do creative stuff and it was all fun but when I had the opportunity to work with Rosie Huntington Whitley under Cher Coulter, um, you know, Cher hired me. She, I was referred to her by another stylist. Um, and just being in that environment and working with a human being and a person, it was a different experience than a model and a, and a book. I really found the love of being able to speak to people about clothes and actually create an image for someone to be something that I admired. So after that opportunity, it was like, Share really, you know, kind of got me into it um, firsthand, kind of got me um, into it firsthand. And then I realized that, like, whoa, I really like this. And she had me come to L.A. to do a job with Nicole Richie. So we did Fashion Star Season 2, and she was like, you're going to come work on it for a few months. And then I was like, oh, my God, I really love this. <laughs> um, so... I think that was when my love grew for fashion, especially celebrity styling, being exposed to it through, you know, um, share culture with Nicole Richie and Rosie Huntington. And are you based in Los Angeles now? And now I'm based in Los Angeles, yeah. But at the time I was in New York, so I came here just to work for a little. And it was so funny because it it was funny because Nicole was like, you have to stay in LA. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, there's nothing like <laughs> the weather is cool, but like my vibe is very New York. Um, but then, you know, Nicole referred me to Simone Harouche, who was the stylist I worked under in LA for two and a half years as well. And Simone was doing Christina Aguilera and Miley Cyrus. So that's how I grew to develop my career into where I am today. Um, just being trained by the best, to be what, honest. What because you've experienced both, what is the difference between New York styling and LA? Because oh, editorial styling and Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah. Everyone always asks that. I mean, I think the biggest difference is really the create, I would say the human factor of being able to work with a magazine versus 
a, a celebrity. When you're in, in an editorial space, you're working with um, you're working with models, and you have a creative board, and you have a vision, and and you have to execute it based on the theme. When you're working with the person, you're executing it based on their aesthetic, and you're having a little bit more fun in going out the box and creating creating trends, creating looks, creating elements that feel editorial but is on a human form so i think it's the human aspect of it that's really different because when you're in hollywood depending on what type of stylist you are you still are able to be creative you're not able to be as creative and out of the box like an edit and and uh, out of the box like an editor but i think the biggest difference that i see because i love editorial as well is the fact that it's a model versus like a celebrity and with a model you can say you know throw this on <laughs> or, yeah. you know like this is a part of the theme you were hired to dress yeah. like this also hollywood's um, <laughs> having a moment well El los angeles fashion is yeah having a moment with sportswear being so massive yeah do you think yeah do you feel i like think that? I think, I don't know if it's LA, I think street style in general is coming back in, in a way, it's not really coming back, it's just in being more, it's it's a part of an influence now. I think people are paying attention to street style in, in a format that allows them to feel like, I don't always, like a smart casual. And um, so yeah, I don't know if it's really having a moment. What do you mean by a moment? What do you mean well, by that? I just meant that I think because sportswear has been so pervasive in fashion around the world, in the whole fashion industry over the last few years, um, and sportswear really, the heart of sportswear is really Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, maybe it's more of a menswear thing. Yeah. I'm not sure. But, um, and I guess just because of the power of the red carpet yeah. as well these days. And it's the power of the red carpet and it's also the, the influence of the street. You know, when you think of who people are bringing on, like a Virgil Abloh for Louis Vuitton, the diversity, inclusion, the conversation about inclusion, inspiration from the urban communities, all of that is kind of elevating brands to understand that you don't have to necessarily build out your clothing in a luxury format in order to be successful, as you saw from Supreme becoming, you know, men's design of the year, which was a sh like a big shock to everyone, but also something that really allow the industry to to recognize where the buying power is and and you know why they're so successful it's because of the fact that people feel that they can actually afford these clothes and they feel somewhat related to the aesthetic you know so what's the third thing for your cabinet oh third thing mm -hmm. oh, jesus i forgot about the cabinet <laughs> um <laughs> bringing no. it back you were getting carried away there yeah, I was like, oh, well, um i would say the third thing from the cabinet is um i would say any Teen Vogue issue, I would say any Teen Vogue issue. Um, I would have definitely all the back put. Issues? Do I have? Yeah, I have all the issues when I was there in my cabinet. Um, Teen Vogue had a handbook that they made when I was an intern um, with all the old editors that I was inspired by before I started. And seeing that book when I when I see it in my house just really resonate with me about where you can go in life and how. Um, influential Teen Vogue was to a lot of girls and people who are trying to get into fashion at a young age. So I would put that in the cabinet to inspire people, especially the young girls like myself, who feel as though like, you know, the industry is so far from them. You know, seeing a handbook of editors who are relatable, who are, who are just like us, some of them don't even work with Condé Nast now, would be um, what I put in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think of about Teen Vogue now? Yeah, is I think just, does it just exist online now? I know I think it's a buy. It's, it's a, changed a lot. Yeah, Teen Vogue has changed. What I love about the magazine and the change of where it's at, I think that Teen Vogue has really elevated in its 
conversations you know culturally it's 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 hidden topics that people are not always thinking about you know last year when they did the story on the native americans was that was amazing or the story of the 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 children from the parkland shooting um and emma gonzalez and those stories are just so um relatable and i think what i like about that is that it's not only just oh let me put a model and let me put an actress or a talent it's like let me put real people that actually deserve a spotlight on the covers of the magazines to inspire and continue to inspire the young people that we need to in fashion um so i like their political stance and i think that change is really amazing for the brand yeah yeah and you know we're at an amazing point in the culture at the moment where a lot of things are changing yeah. from in fashion but in in everywhere mm-hmm. um and it's must you know you and do you feel like you're at the forefront of that movement because you're styling black actors who are yeah. representing that whole thing mm-hmm. in a really big way from yeah. michael b jordan with his inclusion rider mm-hmm. um commitment um or Letitia wright you know black panther being nominated mm-hmm. for best yeah. film at the oscars yeah um how does it feel to be in the middle of all that it's a real you know people always ask me and i'm just like oh, you know but um it's a real you know at times i have to take a minute and, and recognize that wow i am in the middle of all of that and you know i i am a part of those conversations but it's it's interesting to me because i feel amazing i feel grateful i feel blessed and i feel that um I would I am the best person to be a part of all of that because of where I come from and because of my understanding of diversity and culture and 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 being of culture but um I think overall it's still like just I mean there's still so much more that we need to do there's still bigger um there's still more work you know that needs to take place and I think that sometimes um, do you mean specifically in the fashion industry within the fashion industry yeah. there's still there's still more work that needs to take place, you know, and I think I'm grateful to have clients like Michael B. Jordan. You know, I'm grateful to have clients like Michael B. Jordan and Letitia Wright and Daniel Kaluuya and Kofi Saribe who are influential black actors and activists within their work and their field. And, and, and really, it's it allows me to continue to be inspired, to want to create change. And I think that's the biggest part of how I feel being around this, the space that I'm in with my artists is, is the fact that they inspire me to want to continue to create change for our culture. How do you think um, fashion can continue to, what more, when you say more needs to be done, what do you think can be done? I think what people need to recognize the higher you know, authoritative um, opportunities and positions and recognize and take a look at their businesses to see if, you know, if diversity is a part of those higher positions, you know, do they have people that look like what, you know, the the world? Do they have people that look like the world? It's their, you know, is there minorities? Are there people of color? Are there people of various ages? You know, are there people of various sexes? Like just, just being open and I think that will allow different insight on the world. If you have people that look like the world, you're going to get the world view and an over and an understanding of different cultural things that you may find to be okay for your business, as we saw with some brands, mm-hmm. is not okay with others. I think, you know, having people that represent the world being a part of those higher positions will create change. I think, you know, recognizing the stylists like myself 
who are a part of who's a part of this industry you know creating diversity pushing the envelope for my actors and actresses to be in brands that they probably would have never had access to before is important for brands to say oh wow this stylist is doing this or this editor is doing this why don't we bring them into the conversations that we're having when we're developing merchandise or developing ad campaign so that their eyes and their understanding of the culture can be and their voice could be a part of my brand you know and i think that's what you know yes we're seeing changes and and yes we're recognizing the change with models you know seeing diversity on the runway seeing diversity within the magazines like when i was in teen vogue you know when i worked for Condé nast there was diversity in in the sense that i was there and you know and, and shiona was there and daniel prescott but there still wasn't diversity on the runway there still was an inclusion in you know with the designers and the head of you know um the different houses and now you see people are starting to integrate that into what they do so it's slowly shifting but there's still a long way to go and and diversity doesn't just include black and white diversity is the culture understanding that there's minorities there's different stories that need to be told from every different culture and tradition that exists in this world you know that's how i feel <laughs> we're gonna go back to the cabinet again yes, now yes cabinet i know i was thinking what number four in the cabinet. <laughs> um <laughs> i told you i'm a very basic person a little bit um I would actually put a few records. Okay, number four, I would put a few records in, in in the cabinet. You know, I'm really inspired by jazz, you know, when I think of oh just I mean, just old music in was that general. Stuff stuff you listened to when you were growing up? It's stuff that I, was, I listened to when I was growing up, but also things that I listen to now that kind of calm me. You know, whether it's Mal Davis, whether it's Sade, whether it's Marvin Gaye or Do you Sam get stressed Cook. because of work? Oh, I love Sam Cook. Because of work. we get stressed because of life, I and mean, we walk. Yeah, this yeah. was stressful walking yeah. over here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I do this. Yeah, work, life, every. You know, there are there are things that could create stress. I think that's just normal. But finding ways, there are things that can create stress in in any position that you're in. But I think finding things that calm you is important. So for me, I'm calmed by music in general. You know, I create playlists for myself. Um, for you when you're working or for when you're at home at the end of the day, chill? When I'm working home, I, I just create, I just love creating playlists and I love, mu I love music. So I mean, my tattoo of music. Wait, where is my tattoo? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't remember where your like, tattoo is. <laughs> you know, I have a music tattoo on my foot. I have. I have a music tattoo on it's my It's like foot. a treble clef on a little note. Yeah, and my little heart just to remind me of my passion for music. And I think, you know, when I first started styling, a lot of what I did was in music before transitioning into Hollywood, which was just a transition. I didn't know it wasn't an intentional transition. Tell me about styling on Beyonce's formation. Yeah, so I was a part of the group of stylists that were, um, that was a part of that job um shiona tarini who was my boss at w magazine and teen vogue um brought me on to be a part of the team when beyonce was making her comeback with formation a video directed by melina matasukis and it was amazing i, I mean it was a three-day video shoot um we we had to like recreate her you know her inspiration of the, coming her background of the creole inspiration you know um 
the NOLA vibe, just adding that into some of the ideas um, that was in the treatment. Um, Did she really come just... and give you the brief? Did she come and talk to you guys or were you sent a brief or did someone explain the ideas? So How we, was the message sent, conveyed? Yeah, so we're sent a treatment that Melina and Beyonce work together on. What happens is that it goes to a channel. So, you know, Melina and Beyonce would work together on that. Then Melina and Shiona talked about it. You know, then we were all in a meeting when she, you know, when we were at the fitting that really just discussed the, the vision that Melina as the director had for her. And Melina and, and Beyonce are really good family friends. So I know that um, I'm sure they talked about it before. I don't know what the process of like stamp of approval was, but my job was to, you know, help Shiona and make sure that we had all the pieces that was being requested as a market assistant at the time I was an assistant. Um, so it was amazing to be a part of that journey and help pull some amazing looks that she styled specifically. Yeah. The segments that she did were all the non-dancing Which segments. were the bits that you, t which were the, any bits that I'll recognize that you styled? The car, you okay. know, the car oh, with the, the Fendi. I, I don't want to keep saying it's me, because it's all she owned, it was a group. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they're very um, particular, that the Parkwood, <laughs> um, which is Beyonce's company, so we have to be mindful about that. But um, it was a group, and the Fendi jacket, that jacket was like this big fur that was just like, and she only decided that last minute, actually, which was so funny. And then when she said it's a scene where she's sitting sideways with a corset and, and that corset was so funny. Me and Shiona were at um, the costume house pulling and trying to find the best corset and piece that would go for the specific look that Melina had in mind when she was sitting on the chair. So that was amazing to be a part of. And then, um, yeah, just in general, just to be in that air. I think there's a lot of videos that I've worked on that I love between Miley Cyrus, you know, Wrecking Ball. I was a part of that video. Oh, yeah? It was an iconic, you know, She video. wasn't wearing any clothes in that. that was no she. clothes. <laughs> you know, we went to Target. We <laughs> chopped off a men's uh, boys, you know, wife beater, tank top, and, and created that with like a brief. And then like, you know, Christina Aguilera's, I worked with her, so I was around her for Which a Which video was? Christina Aguilera, we did. Jesus, oh my gosh, I have to. What do you think of her latest incarnation? You know, when she it. had paper I love cover. It. I love it, I, I think it's, the thing I love about Christina is that she's old school glamour. You know, she's old school Hollywood. She's gonna give you a whole artistic story and then bring it out. So this is a whole new journey for her. And I, that's what I enjoyed about working with Miley Cyrus too. It's like that journey was specifically for that what inspired her during that time is what we saw now we see what inspires her now as an adult and and that despite people's opinions i think that's what an artist does i think that's what a true artist does is really evolve with their times and understand what that looks like so i love it i i'm really inspired by it i can't really think of the video with with maybe it was just smiley i think maybe it was just smiley we did a couple of videos with her i would have to go back and look at christina's yeah because i can't remember what about um rihanna's um pour it up video i was a part of as well with mel ottenberg and jaleel white no jaleel weaver so mel ottenberg and jaleel weaver they brought me on as an assistant to do pour it up which was amazing it was the first time i've interacted with you know rihanna and just seeing how they work as you know as an assistant and seeing these stylists and how they did things was really helpful for me when i was grown into what i you know where i became um yeah so what about you mentioned fendi earlier in relation with the with the beyonce jacket and um that just made me think about 
kind of are there any labels that you have a particularly special relationship with or any designers that you've got to know over the years that you have a, an affinity for yeah so I love Stuart Vevers um, from Coach. He's been amazing and, and someone that I've worked with a lot in the most time. Obviously, we all know Michael has his coach, Dale, Letitia Wright War, um, coach for the Met Gala. Yeah. So we've really built a those, great um, relationship. Together. Matty Boven, that British designer, did those. Um, belt bags for him oh special they've I'll, been in carlos play oh my god yeah i love fluorescent yes yes, yes i know exactly the bags you're talking about yeah he's been amazing um ricardo tishi i just started you know having a relationship with you since know, he's been at burberry at burberry yeah specifically with his his team and then you know me and him just have emailed and it's always you know one of those things where they're like come to where i am and come to london come here and you know um so he's been great. And then another person that I, like Stella McCartney is another brand, um, designer. Have you met her? Yes. So Stella McCartney is another designer. Oh, and my favorite designer who I love and who's amazing is Kirby Raymond from Pyre Moss. Um, Kirby is also a really good friend of mine that um, has been growing tremendously and rapidly. And, and I'm really proud of him. And, and yeah. What's um what's it like when you're pulling a look for somebody like a big superstar like Michael B. Jordan and you ring up those designer brands and you say, I'm pulling looks for Michael B. Jordan? Yeah. Is it like everybody sends you like everything? <laughs> I have a great response for yeah. Michael B. Jordan. Um, and all my clients, you know, I think that's what separates me from a lot of stylists is that for me, it's really about branding as well you know how can I align my clients with certain designers that will build relationships with them yes of course everyone will know and I know that but what but what are the pieces that are I'm getting what are the stories behind the designers I ask what are these stories what are they working on you know I read about what the designers you know what they do where this where their backgrounds is from just because that's important to me as well and then I find ways to build their brand through the designers I choose so you know with Letitia Wright she's another one who everyone loans for Kofi Sariba everyone loans for Justine Sky everyone's interested in as well because of her look and how beautiful she is and her music so it's I have a great response in general because of my relationship coming from where I came from but I'm always really just interested in a brand that's telling a bigger story rather than a brand that's hyped because of social media, to be honest. What's your final thing for the cabinet? My final thing, you know, I saved the best for last is Addy Samuel shoes. So I am a shoe designer. I produced my shoes in 2016. Well, I, launched, I launched my shoes in 2016 and it's my baby. Still developing. I only have one collection right now and hoping to have collection number two. Um, Funded by me, produced by my own hands. Um, everything that How was How do you done. find the time? I did this when I was an assistant. So I've always been someone that's smart with how I choose to spend my money. You know, and as much as fashion is so lavish, I'm not the person to spend thousands of dollars on something that doesn't mean a lot to me so with that being said i took a lot of the money that i was making as an assistant saved it and put it back into this line that i wanted to create that everyone told me would be very hard and it was <laughs> uh, what, but I, hard in what way 
just being a designer is difficult you know finding the factory finding the last knowing what um, styles you want to produce knowing what silhouettes you want to create you know it, it really is a process and um and also financially it's expensive and accessories as you notice it doesn't have a lot of you don't have a lot of footwear designers because it's footwear is the most expensive part of fashion um when why it's, did you choose footwear because it's the most difficult part. <laughs> I'm always up for <laughs> like challenge. challenge. I literally was like, okay, this is gonna be the challenging part. But I but I always think about my age. So in my mind it's like, okay, Your if age. I'm doing it now at a young per, as a young person, then it's fine if I succeed or don't succeed because I have time. Like How I, old I, you are know, you? I just turned thirty. Wow. I just turned thirty. Young. No, not young. I feel old. <laughs> I've been wanting to do this. She looks young. <laughs> Um, but thank you. But um, yeah, so I, I wanted to develop the most challenging um, part. I wanted to work on the most challenging part of fashion just as a start. My goal is to hopefully have something bigger and develop th bigger things. But um, I always love accessories. I always loved footwear. Actually, when I transitioned from Teen Vogue, I was first a fashion assistant. And then I went to accessories assistant market editor. So I, that's when I worked under Sheena Smith and Shiona Tarini to deal with just the accessories for the book so that's shoes handbag jewelry all of that and that really just increased my love for footwear and then recognizing the space too again you know being a girl from the bronx always looking for the niche in the market and and there's not a lot of black footwear designers especially female so i really wanted to dive into that market to create that space so you're doing really well obviously and you oh, I, you've you. just been named by women's wear daily as one of this new generation of stylists coming through Yay. and you you have your shoe line um what else would you like to do oh so much so much um there's so much that i have in stores that i'm working on for my podcast you know i hope to write a book i hope to do some more on-air things you know i really hope to develop an organization that in inspires young women um there's a lot that i want to do and i hope that i get to do um but I think it doesn't end for me in just fashion. I will say that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna look out for it. Yay! <laughs> out for it. Thank everyone. you, Ade, Thank for joining you us on the podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. That was an episode of the Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. You can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website and you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion, at Matches Fashion Man and the hashtag Five Carlos Place. Thanks for listening.